Hey, y'all, I want you to check out Brooklyn Games. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games. It's like a monthly zine subscription. Each issue is chock full of imaginative, useful information you will use at your table. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games for a new issue in your mailbox or inbox every month. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, and we are joined today by returning guest, Stephen Chenault. Welcome. How's it going, man? Glad, uh, glad to join you today. It's, it's good. I'm glad to have you back. And and we're going to talk about role-playing games. <laughs> <laughs> that seems on topic for me. <laughs> and you too. <laughs> we talk about them a lot here every day, just about. <laughs> You're Steve, if you don't know, Stephen Chenault's over at Troll Lord Games and they do Castles and Crusades. And if you haven't checked out Castles and Crusades, that you can is there still a free PDF people can take a look at online? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to our store. I think you know, Tim keeps putting it up there and I keep removing it because I'm an idiot, but it's like the first product listed there on the featured product page should be the seventh printing of the Castles and Crusades Players Handbook. You can download it and everything you need to play CNCs right there. It's good. Definitely, I suggest folks go to the website, download the PDF, check it out. It's a great rule set. It's what I run on my Saturday night game. <laughs> great. Me too. <laughs> <My Thursday. laughs> You've got a few new things that y'all are working on. I'm curious about one of them I'm really excited about, and that specifically is the Planar Codex. Could you tell us a bit about what's going on with that? Yeah, absolutely. That so this this book uh, we finally settled on a title called Codex of the Plains, and it'll, that fits with our Codex line, the mythos. You know, we have Codex Germania and Codex Celtarum and whatnot. So it'll kind of shoehorn nicely in with that series of books uh, and help tie that together. But this is a project I wanted to do, man, forever. I'm a huge fan of the Manual of the Plains. It came out uh, under AD and D. Huge fan of the Planescape stuff. But both both of those products, when I was running games back in the day, really great products. But the manual planes kind of left me having to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And that the, the box sets, the Planescape box sets, had too much to read. I couldn't do it quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They were so detailed. If I wanted to do, and what I would do on, in those days is I would pull out that Planescape stuff and really study it for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks to get things going. And I got to thinking when I was putting notes together for this Codex of the Plains book, which I've been wanting to do forever because I love plane travel adventures. In in my mind, (laughs) yeah, it's just cool. And especially when you get high level, it's really, it's not the only thing you can do, but it is a major thing that you can do that to make it have that epic feel, you know, Mm -hmm. because all the monsters are epic or they can be and all that business. So when I, I started to put together notes for the Codex of the Plains, I started kind of mapping out what planes I wanted to do. Uh, how I wanted them to tie to air, how much I wanted them to tie to our world of air. But my focus rapidly became on what I would want as a castle keeper, as a GM, what I would want when I open up that chapter on, say, pandemonium. So I begin to take notes on what the, what the GM's going to mostly need, monsters, time, how magic works, all in very, very quick format. So like each plane will have a nice table. It's like 30 things long. 
that you can wrap it. If you've got it, if your plane traveling characters jump from one plane to the next, which they always do because they have, <laughs> then you can just go to this chart, whatever plane they go to, get that immediate information you need and start playing. And then the rest of the chapter is each one will be about 10,000 words long. It'll flesh out all of those things, having encounter areas, uh, oases, places where your characters can go that, I will say this, but this isn't the way it's described, but it's like a tavern. Yeah. You can go, like in Gahana, there's these doors that you can go to. You open the door and you step in, and it actually is a tavern that is created by these travelers and hidden from the evil powers of Gahana. So you can go there, rest, recuperate, buy equipment, you know, and make it a functional setting that's not too involved, but it's got everything the CK needs to roll into the plane. That That's the plan. I, I like it. I'm I'm excited for it. I I've run quite a few planar campaigns and I am running one right right now and my my players Excellent. just just don't know it yet. <laughs> that <is cool. laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they uh see if my players are listening, this is a spoiler episode. You have to turn this one off. You cannot <laughs> listen any further. I've already spoiled too much. Do not listen. Turn off this episode. <laughs> but yeah, we had uh, we sat down for the beginning of the game and I had them do some collaborative world building. Well, unknown to them, they are not really on a full entire planet. It's, it's, it's sort of a demi plane that's kind of nice. falling apart and being composed of different pieces, slowly kind of shifting. And they're discovering that whatever's remains of this world, this this hunk of rock, this portion of planet that they're on is falling apart and being intruded on by other planes. So they're going to eventually, I'm assuming, make a few steps out of there and do some planar traveling as they unravel this and discover what's going on. So hopefully, hopefully they do. <laughs> by the time they're they're jumping out there I, in this campaign, I can have that that planar codex, that codex of the planes book because I could really use that. Right now I'm using the manual of the planes for my AD&D. <laughs> hopefully I can get it done that fast. I'm about a third of the way through. I'm going to have a slight interruption this week that we're closing up the next week but then i'll be back on to it i'm almost finished with the outer planes i think i got two left of those to go if i remember and then i got to dive into the elemental planes and then there's things like you're talking about i got to do the demi planes and and, and really you know, again the focus is trying to make it very playable for those of us running games you know on that side of the screens it's just they're hearing descriptions and reactions but we got to have some kind of idea of what these planes do what occupies them, what kind of monsters there are there. Uh, and of course, that's the, the sad thing for me. I guess it's not sad, but um, each of these planes I write, I'm creating, there's there's a flora section and a fauna section, you know, plants and animals. Um, and each of them is getting like five or six new monsters. And I'm 10 planes in, 12, 13 planes in, something like that. And that's already like 60 new monsters that I'm going to have to write up. <laughs> so I think there's going to be a there's going to be another monster book coming down the pipe, I think. <laughs> nice. I always like those monster books. I use them a lot. <laughs> that, and these but, will be epic. Well, and I'll tell you what, of, of, of my monster books I have, there's a few that are up there, top tier favorites. And uh, it used to be I was first, I really loved, I got those three ring binders from second edition and I got the three ring binder yeah. that y'all put out of your monsters yeah. and treasure as well. Now that I think about it, yeah. <laughs> which fits in with my three ring binders for second edition really nicely on my shelf. Um, and if you see me on my webcam, you can, you can see the castles and crusades binder. Right by see, yeah. second edition binders. <laughs> we we did those. 
we did those directly inspired from the second edition stuff. Yeah, I love those. But I actually yeah. really like the monstrous manual where they compiled it for second edition. Is one of my was one of my favorite yeah. monster books for years. And then I got that monsters and treasure that combined the classic monsters and then the regular monsters and treasure book from y'all that you put out. And that right. thing reminded me so much of that monstrous manual. I just love that monsters manual. And outside of like, I, there's a couple I have like the Tome of Horrors that I love to pull out that has a lot of wonky monsters. That's one of my top used monster books. And I freaking love it. <laughs> I'm really happy with that monster book. I think it needs a slight, it needs more art is what it really needs. Mm -hmm. It needs all the monsters need a picture in there. Uh, but the, the book is already so large, I think, and we're creeping towards a sixth printing. I think what we're going to do is cut out, we haven't decided yet, but I think we're going to cut the treasures out and put them in their own mm -hmm. book so we can put more monsters in this book and more art in this book. You know, I have a pretty, Troller Games has a, a policy that no book's over 400 pages. That's really, it's too big. It's, <laughs> it's too <laughs> cumbersome. It's too much stress on the binding. Well, you, you did break that policy with at least one book. Yes, we did. There's two, actually. Uh, and oh, the yeah, one, I, the I think I got them both. <laughs> I'm sure you know. So the, the Castle Keeper's Guide to the Haunted Highlands, I think, is 408 pages long, I think. It's pretty big. Uh, it's big. And the binding, and we do Smite Zone binding, right? I mean, we do really good binding, but it's a lot of stress. These books get, as you know, they get a lot of traffic. We yes. use them. Yes. That's and then there's a warden, of course. The warden's 700 pages. <laughs> yeah, the Starship Warden is a tome, and it's I love that thing. It's on my shelf. It, yeah. it is. I, I think that with our planer hopping, that was one of the intended eventual destinations for our party <laughs> as we get there. Well, I absolutely. You know, I know that the license has moved on to, to different pastures, which is which is great for them. That's wonderful. I hope, you know, wish them all the success. But I honestly believe that Jim Ward's Starship Warden is one of the most unique and cool settings ever created in our hobby. Fantasy, science fiction, all of it. I just love the concept behind the Warden's ship, you know, floating yeah. through space. It's just cool. It's a massive derelict ship. So it's it's like a dungeon crawl, but it's like a setting on its own. You can hex yeah. crawl through woods and forests and different places and there's all kinds of wonky things going on in there there's a whole like uh supplement for running your fantasy characters in it as, as well isn't there yeah he put a we with in that kickstarter we did two years ago i guess uh, he they just it's just crowded with content i mean it's just really fantastic content and, and despite the the license leaving trollord it was all a mutual thing and we're still very good friends. So when we push into our Star Siege, we're gonna we'll promote whatever they're doing with the, the Starship Warden. Uh, Excellent. You know, we'll I'm looking forward we'll to that. that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking forward to using now. Now that leads me to another an, another adjacent area that I keep on that I will always bring up till I have it in my hand. <laughs> I want a copy of the Star Siege in a nice hardback that looks good with my amazing adventures and it, Castles it, and Cassay's books. <laughs> It is coming, I promise. You know, I'm kind of glad that we, you know, I keep pushing this project back. And I really shouldn't because it's like 95% done. I mean, it's so close to being done. It's ridiculous. But now that we tied it deeply to the warden. So I'm kind of glad we, we held off. I think maybe the fates were speaking to me. But uh, so Star Siege will be tied very, very closely with the new launch of Amazing Adventures, which is coming down the pipe very, very soon. Awesome. The next two to three weeks, I suspect. 
Uh, and I don't know if we will do that as a stretch reward. If not, we will do it as a, a campaign that follows very, very rapidly on that uh, and get that. Because I'm like you, I really, and I love the fact that TLG can make her own books, you know, soft covers and all that stuff. But it needs to be a hardcover book. Star Siege needs to be hardcover you know, right up there with all the others. And we're redoing the Amazing Adventures line. Uh, it's all going to be full color hardbacks, the whole nine yards. And there's going to be a player's guide, a, a Castle Chronicler's guide, and then the, a Monstorum. All these books together. So a nice, good hardcover star seat would be would be great. That would be awesome to fit in the line. Now I've got a I've got the both a player's guide in both soft cover and hardback for amazing adventures. What I'm I, I and I'm just going to ask this because. I'm a little sketchy on the history of this, but why do I have a soft cover and a hard cover of the book that looks almost identical? Are they, was one an earlier print or? Yeah. So the first printing of, and Jason, I wish he were here. He could really correct me because it get, this gets a little confusing with me because it's so long ago. The first printing uh, of Amazing Adventures, he shifted into the Siege Engine from his game because he created Amazing Adventures with his own role-playing game system. Uh, we came to agreements. He loves Castles and Sage, the Siege Engine, and all that stuff. Uh, and he he converted that over. And I I do not believe that we did a Kickstarter. On that. I believe that we created the first round of of Amazing Adventures as soft cover books. I think we printed mm -hmm. 550 of them. It's pretty low print run, and we did it in our shop. I don't think we sent those through distribution. We may have. I'd have to really dig into that to look. So it, it sold out pretty quick. And after it sold out pretty quick, I was like, okay, this is this is a viable IP. We need to pursue it. And we did a Kickstarter shortly thereafter once it sold out. And that's when the hardcover, which is this, the second printing, which is what you've got on on your shelf there. So you got both. You got that very limited release of the soft cover, and then you got the hardcover after that. Yeah. And we've we missed well, actually, the what we recently ran. Well, I say recently, it might have been two years ago now. <laughs> was that <laughs> When it first came out, uh, Light, the other host on the show, he he runs a lot of games for our group, and he ran the Amazing Adventures Five E for a for a short arc for us to test it out and, and give that a whack because he had backed that on the Kickstarter, and we were all excited to check it out. Yeah, that was that would have been the third not third third printing because that's a different edition. Jason just yeah. converted; he's a big Five E fan. He converted it to Five E. It's really funny too because there's Amazing Adventures, of course, that TLG's published for years, and then there's Amazing Adventures 5e, and it drives Jason a little bit nuts every time. And I don't mean this in any way as a slight to 5e or fight the fifth edition players or anything, but I always call it's Amazing Adventures 5e and the real Amazing Adventures. <laughs> He's going, they're both real Amazing Adventures. <laughs> so, yeah, but the 5e version did really well. People seem to really love it, so. That's excellent. That's excellent. That's good to hear. And and we like I, I like we liked it. We had a fun a fun game. We had a, a quite a few little adventures there with it. And I think he ran some of the ones that came with the actual Kickstarter when we ran that as well. Yeah, he did a lot. There's a there's actually more content for the five E version of AA than there is for the Siege Engine version of AA. Oh wow, uh, is there really? Yeah, it's about two or three more published adventures. Now that'll all be fixed here in the next few months as we do as we take care of as we launch this campaign and bring it all up to speed. And he and I are talking about a Cthulhu-esque setting adventure type. His and I language, we're talking about two different things, but I think we're on the same. Once we figure the yeah. same way, we'll, <laughs> we'll work that out. 
Now, I think that the like there's from what I understand, there's sort of a rebranding going on with Amazing Adventures. Would I be incorrect in assuming that you wouldn't be? So the, the game itself is going to stay the same. So those two versions that you've got on your table, you're good to go. Uh, it's Siege Engine. We're not saying it's changing any of that. You know, classes, all of that stays the same. But what we're doing with Amazing Adventures is we're really giving it a full treatment for its own RPG. And though it's always been that way, this time it's going to have a player's guide, <clears throat> Castle Chronicler's guide, and the monster book, the adventures, like you said, you know, and all that. And then from that, of course, Star Siege, Tainted Lands, uh, and all the other supplemental settings will start rolling out. But Jason and I were talking about that the other day. You know, when Castles of States came out and when the Player's Handbook came out as the eighth printing, we we did the, a new logo. We had a new look, uh, taking everything that we've kind of learned over the years and with the way the market has changed and uh, the way presenting things has changed. We changed the Castles of States look. And I, I have to say, and that was Tom Tullis over at Fat Dragon Games. He's the one who came up with that design. That's all Tom. Mm -hmm. uh, and it looks insanely beautiful. It's nice, crisp. I absolutely love the look. So we're going to we're going to take that same concept. Now it'll be a little bit different, but and bring that to Amazing Adventures to kind of line it all up. With that, there's going to be new art, new layout, a little bit more dynamic layout and full color. So it's essentially getting a. It, this is where Jason and I have already kind of had this discussion. We're not sure. You know, we don't do additions in Castles and Crusades, right? Yeah, there's no changes to the game. It's just printing. So we just do a new printing and there you go. And we're following through with that on Amazing Adventures. But we're in this kind of weird zone because nothing's really changing, but it's going to be three books, not one. So it's really going to be a first printing of the player's guide. And you know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to third printing of Amazing Adventures. It's and we've already got a couple of people, you know, well, this is a new edition. I don't know it's an addition i don't think it is it's, it's a reorganizing game. it's a reorganizing we're going to that <laughs> so and i, I know that the, the language gets important to a lot of people and that's and that's good, but uh, it gets confusing at times yeah it's a reorganizing that i know like like with the white box that you all put out you have a castles and crusades white box where it's the four right. core classes and the basics kind of like Old it's kind of to mimic the original D and D O D and D white box, right. and it's still the same rule set and everything else. It's only got four of the classes that you're getting a lot more in the player's handbook and other books as well. But same game, just stripped down to the basics in that white box. I mean, it doesn't make it a different edition. No, <laughs> That's the, yeah, it gets into these these strange questions. And I, I was actually I was being you know D and D has, has announced their one or D &D, whatever they're doing like dnd one i think or one dnd one dnd mm -hmm. uh, and I, I got a little bit tongue-in-cheek the other day talking about the additions of dungeons and dragons because some people are already calling this 5.5 some are calling it six some are calling it just dnd &D, whatever but the whole thing so i started looking at these additions and you've got the original dnd &D, right which i guess is called ODD now well, technically it's just Dungeons and Dragons. I know this because I have the books in my desk right here. It just <laughs> says Dungeons and Dragons on them. So AD&D isn't, that wouldn't, that was a completely different game. That's advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And then, but second edition actually says second edition on it. Third yeah. edition doesn't, it goes back to D&D. So technically third edition is the second edition of D&D. <laughs> 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 well, 
but then we're skipping over the fact that you had the the back me uh you had holmes right. and you had so like really this is like the 12th edition of dnd at the end of the day it should be dnd 12 dnd confusing yeah <laughs> I, I, I did I, I took a little bit it was funny that when they when and again i'm not knocking wizards of the coast and five area and that stuff but they immediately said, this is, this is your same D&D. We're just calling it one D&D. And I was thinking in my head, don't call it one D&D. Just call it D&D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, changing the name is going to definitely get people, I think, in an uproar. I think one of the things is that the 5E is almost branding at this point for a lot of third-party publishers and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm curious what's going to happen, like, are you all paying attention to one D and D? Because you put out a lot of fifth edition material. Yes, and we actually have a Kickstarter that we're fulfilling now. This fifth edition, and I'm not going to shift it to whatever. I don't know what rules changes. I've, seen, I've heard a little bit coming down, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that what we're putting out, which is the A series, I think will be. I don't. I hate to say this, and I'm going to eat these words later. I think it'll be immune to the changes that they bring in. Um, Probably, having said that, I'm sure it won't be, but uh, <laughs> we're going to stick with 5e because that's what the people who backed it, you know, backed it. But yeah, it's one of those things. And one of the heaviest blows that Troll Lord Games took was back in 05 when we did the Book of Familiars. Uh, Matt Golden, who co-designed Castles Crusades, called me one day and said, dude, I got a great idea for a book. Uh, you got to write this book. And it's the Book of Familiars, which basically is giving every class a familiar, which is really cool. Yes. So we did that and we wrote it for third edition. That's what we did. And about, it's been a while now, but I think in the editing process, the uh, 3.5 came out. They started changing the rules. And we're like, oh, we got to redo this whole freaking book. So we redid the whole freaking book. It delayed everything horribly, like a year and a half or whatever. And it came out, we, we had huge pre-orders on it. So we sent it to the printer and we, we ordered accordingly, right? And you yeah. signed the contract. It's a contract, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm ordering this thousands of books. Well, in the midst of that, the D20 market imploded. It absolutely imploded. So sales dwindled to nothing. Retail shops were going out of business all over the place. Distributors were dumping everything. And our, our retail orders just plummeted. I mean, oh, yeah. absolutely plummeted. So we had this mountain of books we had to pay for. And in those days, it was a lot. We were a lot thinner. <laughs> we had less. We had a less less resources than we do now. Uh, it was a very tough time because the switching of that editions twice on us, essentially, and that wasn't really, it was just a collapse of the D20 market, but switching that editions delayed it, that threw it into the maelstrom of the collapse of the market. And so I'm very well aware of what is what D&D is doing. I mean, I don't know what they're doing, but what's, how it's going to impact Trollord games. And that's why we've kind of backed off on any 5e projects until we can kind of see what direction they're taking. Yeah, that, ma that makes a lot of sense. I, and I'm, I'm curious how things are going to change yeah. in the overall sphere. I mean, I'll be 100% honest, too. I don't pick up uh, fifth edition books. I'm, you know, if I'm, I'm, I'm one who's excited about what's going on with Troll Lord and what y'all are putting out yeah. or, or Swords and Wizardry, Frog God. Some of those are the companies I tend to pay attention to and pick the new stuff up from an ose these days seems to be the new one as well so those that's kind of a sphere of gaming i, I like those that sphere of books and gaming because if i pick up a module or a zine that's made for ose 
I can run it in my CNC game Saturday night because right. it's so flexible. So I can yep. use all these old school swords and wizardry or OSE editions with my castles and crusade. You know what? I can even use my third edition uh, Pathfinder yeah. stuff with it real easy too. I can tell I can tell you how to convert real quick without having to convert beforehand, just on the fly, sitting at the table. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> it is though. I ran T1, AD&D's T1 mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. It's almost no, there's no bleed over. I mean, it's it's very easy. I don't know what they're going to do with fifth edition. I've seen, I've seen some interesting things coming down the pipe. Um, it's not mine to agree or disagree. Everybody games a little differently. So, I mean, yeah. the whole critical hit thing, I don't, whatever, everybody does crits differently. Yeah. But um, it, I, I do think that Wizards of the Coast, and this goes for any game company, this goes for total games as well. I, I mean, I, I've told this story half a dozen times. I don't know if I told it last time I was on your podcast, but in the original concept of Castles and Crusades, Mac and Davis wanted one rule to rule the game. Yeah. Now, it turned out to not be the way. The Siege Engine does everything, but we still have a combat rule that's different, right? So you mm -hmm. essentially have two, two rules. And it always bugged Davis and Matt. I mean, it bugged them. They never did that. And that was kind of me because I kind of I was pushing, no, you got to make it very familiar to the D D, you know, community. So they're very comfortable coming home with this thing, uh, which is one of my, my whole things. If you play D D, when you come over to Castles and Saints, it's just like coming home. It's the same game you've been playing. Uh, but I remember about 08, 09, 10, somewhere around there, Mac came just busting into the office where it was game night. And he goes, dude, I, I got I got how to make Siege Engine Combat. And he showed me all these notes, explained all this stuff to me. And I said, I let, he talked, he talked, and I go, this is wonderful, Mac, but that's not going in the player's handbook because <laughs> that changes the game. That's a new addition. That definitely is rules changing. And he was like, nah, you know, whatever. So I think that what Wizards of the Coast is going to have trouble doing when you get a bunch of honest to God game designers and Davis is a game designer, Jason Vay is, Matt Golden, they're game designers. They like to, to design games, right? That's what they like to tweak and change and this can do this and this can do that. And I think Wizards of the Coast is going to have trouble keeping their game designers from changing fifth edition into something that's a little bit newer and a little that runs a little bit different. Uh, it's because game designers, what is it? What is that from Jurassic Park? Life will find a way. Game designers will find a way. <laughs> they will change your game. So <laughs> they want to, they want to, and, and I'll be honest, like I constantly, I've been playing these games for well over 30 years now. I don't think it's been quite 35, maybe around there. <laughs> um, and, and I've always hacked yep. slash made my own stuff. We play CNC, yep. but a hundred percent. My CNC at my table is probably not going to look like your CNC at your table. Right. That's one of the reasons we like CNC is because it's easy and 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's not going to break the game when I implement certain changes to it. No, it's Whereas, very natural. You can take like the Pathfinder you were talking about earlier. You can take Pathfinder stuff and just drop it on top of the Siege Engine and go. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't. The Siege Engine is just an underlying core, a very simple attribute check system. Uh, that allows you to get better as you gain in levels. Uh, and then we turn it over to whoever's running the table. I mean, that's, and that's why the CKG and Tim always yells at me, but it's an optional book. You don't need it. It has, I, I recommend it. It's filled with all <laughs> kinds of jewels, you know, that you can use. But the idea is you take that game and run with it. And I loved it when I hear, you know, I'm talking to you and you, you say things like that. It's I'm just perfect. That's what it's designed <laughs> to do. Yeah, like I, I can tell you plenty of our like house rules that are not from castles and crusades that we pull from. I can show you, 
you know, exactly. Like we take stuff from uh, from the Beckme stuff and and that those old Holmes boxes and a lot of the turn stuff they use in there. And I use that in my CNC game and it works flawlessly. It's a great game. Our CNC can handle a lot of add-ons from other places. <laughs> it, it, it really can. I got to tell you, it's funny you should mention house rules in that kind of context. It just kind of rattled something loose in my brain. In one of the product meetings we had a month or so ago, someone was bringing, I think it was Jason was bringing up house rules and it hit me, you know, we need to do, it would be kind of cool is to do a book of house rules, have people <laughs> like submit it and we publish this book of house rules because the cool thing about the table and you've played at a lot of tables, I've played at a lot of tables and everyone at my table runs a game, right? They're all, yeah. I do it mostly, but Chris and Todd, and Mac, they'll all get behind the screens and they all do things a little bit different. They, you know, the crits do this, or you get, you know, on max game, a, a hit, a 20 is an automatic hit, stuff like that. So we all take these games, tweak, adjust how we want it to go. And it'd be kind of cool to see, you know, 200 different versions of people's <laughs> rules. Cause you know, they're all a little different. No, I, that would, I would definitely pick up a book of house rules and hacks for the game. <laughs> cool. I like that. That's one thing I like. Uh, I like about gaming is seeing the different ways that people approach it at their tables. And I mean, that's how kind of how like it's always worked. You know, everybody's been like 30, 40 has been 40. It's been approaching. Was it approaching 50 years now? Or am I since D &D yeah, 60? I mean, it's oh, it over. They did their 50th anniversary a few years ago. So it's been oh, oh, I'm 74. I'm not very good at math. 1974. So I think you might be. So I think it's, it hits 50 in two years. I thought they did 50. I thought they did their 50th anniversary. I got to type this down. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they did something book. Maybe it was their 40th. Maybe I'm thinking of their 40th anniversary. Probably. probably I think as I, if I'm doing my math correct, that puts the 50th yeah. year in two years. <laughs> And I haven't been really playing all man. these 50s. I'm not quite 50 yet. I still got a few more years till I hit 50. <laughs> but not that many. <laughs> you, you are correct. So the 50th anniversary will be in 2024. So I must be thinking of the 40th. And there you go. So that was never my be Their big release of 1D&D would be the oh, 50th. Makes sense. There so you go. Yeah, because I think they said January of 2024, they'll begin, right? Is that the, I think that's the time frame. That's 50 years since he published the little the little white box. And you can yep. get your own white box on Troll Lord Games. Is that still available? True. Yes, it is. We've still got that in stock. Uh it's it's a good seller. People love that stuff. Excellent. And small three. I think is there five books? There's five books in there. Five books, dice, and a pencil, and some character sheets. Is it five books? I thought for some reason I was thinking it was four, but it probably is. I think there's so, a there's a, so here's a adventure in there. Yeah, here's a quick trivia thing. We the first re and this we get into editions, you know. So the first version of Castles and Crusades that came out was a white box that came out in 2004, and we printed a thousand of those. I, I want to say it's 1,100. There's some weird. I, I just remember something weird <laughs> happening. A hundred of them, we had to do stickers on the boxes, and then the rest had the wrap around them. The first 300 were signed and numbered by me, Davis, Mac, and Peter Bradley. And then we redid those sold out years ago. And then what, three years ago or something, we redid it as the white box. So the first white box had three books in it. But the second white box, the one that's available now, I think it has five. It might be four. You might be right. It's four or five books in there. Uh, character sheets, dice, pencils, blah, blah, blah. 
And we, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I really, uh, I ran the adventure in that white box with my gaming group and we used just the white box and started it off. And as a DM, I, I just kind of let them take it and go where they wanted with it. They came up with some pretty creative things. We had a group of players that was the four core and we were kind of doing this on our one shot night. So we were only taking a couple weeks to play it. I really wanted to keep up with this because they had that, that adventure got us to a great solid start for a campaign. And there were like a million things we could have followed through with. It's a nice intro. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it gave us good direction. My characters were creative enough to create, create, uh, to, to do some interesting problem solving and stuff that would have had consequences cool. later on down the line as a DM, I was going to bring up. It was, <laughs> it, it put us in a good situation to do a further campaign. Now, I wanted to further it, but it was our night that we only get a couple weeks to run a game. So someone else. Yeah. Did it there. <laughs> that, that's actually one of the frustrating things about this hobby. When you sit down and you run a good game and it's one of the best games you run and you know, you can't do many more of that for whatever reason. And then it just kind of lingers there. And <laughs> you know, I, in the I, want, I want more of it. I want more. I want yeah. to do this more. Let's see where this goes. One of my favorite DMs, Chris, uh, he sits there. He's been on the game with him forever and a day. He's a fantastic DM. And he'll run these great games, but it's so funny because he'll run them for like four sessions. Six sessions is really pushing it. And all we don't know what triggers in his head, but he's like, nope, not doing it anymore. And he won't talk about it anymore. And then he just goes back to the – he plays, and I'm running the game again. We're like, damn it, Chris. <laughs> Good game. Well, Who knows? We're, we're about on time. Um, I wanted to ask you, would you be interested in maybe doing, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more. Would you be interested in maybe doing another episode where we talked, I want to talk a little bit about writing adventures and, and running them and some of your, uh, perhaps some suggestions from you. Cause you've got, you've got some pretty good modules you've put out there. Absolutely. A very distinctive descriptive style and stuff like that. I'd like to talk to you about a little bit of some of that. So would you be willing to stick around? We can grab another episode and y'all can hear it maybe later this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. So could you tell the listeners where they can find you all online real quick? So you can our main website is www.trollord.com. We're fixing to we're fixing to launch an overhaul of that site in the next 10 to 15 days. So it'll be nice and cleaned up and with some new functionality to it. But you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. And no, not Pinterest. What's the other one? TikTok. We're, we're, we're pretty much all over the place. But head to the site uh, and you can link out from there. And, of course, if you're wanting the Player's Handbook, hit the store and you can download that for free. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We can really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. <laughs>